Welcome back to another episode of In Search of Good Data. This is episode 33. Today we are talking data science, data scientists, pandas, and not the cuddly black and white soft ones that come from Asia, and the journey to becoming a data scientist. Now, to help me dive into this topic and possibly even talk about cuddly white black bears, uh, we've got Ted Petru, a data scientist and the founder of Dunder Data, a professional educational company focusing on the exploration of data analysis. He's also the head of Houston Data Science, a meetup group with more than 2,000 members that has the primary goal of getting local data enthusiasts together in the same room to practice data science. And on top of that, he's also the author of Panda's Cookbook, a book with over 95 hands-on recipes to leverage the power of pandas for efficient scientific computation and data analysis. That is huge. Ted, welcome to In Search of Good Data. <laughs> Thanks, Carlos, for having me. Appreciate it. Now, Ted, you're, you're here in Toronto, but I understand you're, you're local to Houston. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm in the process of moving to Toronto uh, with my, my wife and family. I grew up in uh, Houston, Texas, lived there my entire life. And uh, yeah, just, just recently decided last year to uh, make the move up north uh, to be close to my wife's family. So did you uh, enjoy the winter here or no? <laughs> The winter was very brutal for me. Um, I've never been in cold weather for more than a few days at a time. Right. Um, I did. Uh, I did play around in the snow a lot, and I was surprised that not as many people were playing with the snow as I was. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I tried to make the best of it, um, and uh, I survived, thankfully. <laughs> Gotta get that snow pants on, right? <laughs> now, for everybody who stumbled onto this podcast, thinking, "Hey, there's a podcast about." Pandas, I want to hear this. Um, <laughs> let's clarify a few things. Uh, let's first clarify about, you know, tell us a bit about who you are, uh, your background in the world of data science, and, and what your book, Pandas Cookbooks, is about. Sure thing. So I have a degree in statistics uh, from Rice University, and I uh, actually did not uh, jump into the world of statistics immediately afterwards. I was originally in a, in a PhD program that was very heavily uh, theoretically based, and I was more of a, an applied person. I really enjoyed the you know, tricky probability problems um, where you could work things out or do simulations with on the computer to find an answer. And uh, so I stopped my PhD program after a master's degree um, and did a very applied thing, which was uh, play uh, online poker professionally. And so sort of that, uh, that, that carried me through the next few years and, and sort of exposed me to a different uh, side of life that I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, initially sort of progressing to. But uh, it uh, was, ended up being one of the, the best things for me in terms of uh, practically applying uh, statistical knowledge in the real world <laughs> in real time. You, so you unlocked that algorithm to win, eh? <laughs> <laughs> So the, 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 uh, the algorithm for, for, for winning uh, um, in terms of uh, playing poker is, is actually not particularly difficult. I think a lot of it is more the algorithm for, for maintaining composure uh, while you're playing and you know, um, understanding your, um, all the other emotional aspects of the game is, mm. is very critical. So I think I was able to uh, uh, you know, beat... Uh, the, the the mathematical algorithm, but not uh, necessarily the, uh, the the emotional side. So I, I'm glad I sort of put that uh, chapter behind me and uh, moved back into my original career, which is you know math and, and statistics. Um, so it took a while. I did some I did some teaching, and um, eventually 
data science became popular and um, I got a job as a data scientist and while being a data scientist I formed you know my, my meetup group Houston Data Science and started building tutorials and I sort of um, fell in love with the Python programming language it started becoming very popular and in Python if you're doing uh, data science you're, you're almost certainly going to use pandas uh, to explore your data to do basic data analysis uh, even do some visualizations it is a very large component of uh, the Python data science ecosystem. So pandas, uh, yes, is not a, a reference to any sort of East Asian bear. <laughs> um, it is a, uh, a, a library that allows you to do, uh, you know, the fundamentals of data analysis. And it stands for panel data. And so um, when you smash it together, you get pandas. It is written by a gentleman named Wes McKinney. And so he was in the finance world, and they used the term panel data for your typical two-dimensional rectangular data that you normally see in a table. So that's, the, uh, that's where the name uh, pandas come, comes from. And then I, I ended up teaching a lot of this and uh, had enough material where I was able to you know, write, write a book on it. Now, let's... That that's crazy. I mean, I, I, I used to watch all those, you know, shows that at one point on those poker shows were on TV everywhere. You couldn't even go on a sports channel without seeing that. So that's that's crazy. And I'm sitting across the table here from somebody for, you know, probably doesn't want to disclose how much he's won. But <laughs> based on what you know, I'm sure it was quite a bit. <laughs> well, so I um, I did I did well enough to, um, you know, maintain the lifestyle of, of a professional poker player. And um, uh, I, I study the game very intently. Yeah, I used uh, you know software to track all of my the hands that I played to track my opponent's play. So it was I was I was doing this you know uh, data analysis um, uh, th th in poker and in real time, um, and uh, I I took it very seriously. At least the the statistic the statistical part of the game. You know, I would even uh, do probability calculations to calculate expected value um, based on particular hands that I had um, and um, based on the range of hands that I put my opponent on. Mm -hmm. And that helped me formulate um, sort of a mental sort of strategy on, on, on what to do in, in, in certain um, situations. So, um, so expected value calculations is, are very important uh, in poker and you learn that um, uh, that's a fundamental calculation that you learn during basic statistics courses so I, you know I, I, I use that um, to, to really help me uh, to play the game and I mean that's those those exact skills and I guess you know basic sorts of knowledge that you wanted to have in your poker game easily transitioned and applied to any business you know those are the kind of things you want to know the, the game as you refer it, can be referred to it anyway. And the retail game, the hospitality game, the finance game, like you want to be ahead of, of your opponent. You want to be able to predict and analyze and then come up with some sort of outcome that puts you on the advantage. I mean, in, in this case for us here at Allsight, it's it's that customer advantage that we're trying to give to to the people that use our system. Yeah, exactly. So po poker has helped uh, insurmountably in, in my career. I know several uh, professional poker players who are now data scientists. It's actually wow. a, a fairly common track for 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 those who, you know, they, they had a mathematical foundation like myself, they decided to 
um, joined the poker world when it was very hot in the you know mm -hmm. mid 2000s. Um, when there was a large poker boom and there was a lot of actually misinformation online about poker, you could take advantage of people who were not particularly good at the game, who may have just looked at the game on ESPN or on TV, yeah. seen some people play some hands, and that that actually was responsible for for being for making the game very profitable. Now the poker boom ended. Um, uh, well, in, in the U.S. particularly, um, there was a day called Black Friday, like six or seven years ago, where the um, Department of Justice shut down all poker, online poker in the United States. So a lot of these poker players needed to do something else to, to you know, make an income. They could either move out of the country, and some of them did that. Um, <clears throat> but another field that was, you know, just getting started during that time was, was data science. Um, and so a very similar skill set that I believe you need uh, in, in, uh, in data science uh, was crafted through, through, through playing poker. And, you know, for, for one thing is just, like you said, is, is knowing what your opponent is going to be doing. Yeah. So this is a very critical aspect of poker. You know, you need to put your, your, your opponents on a range of hands. You always need to be thinking about what are the possibilities that they have. And then you can form a distribution over that range based on previous history with that opponent, with other opponents that have similar playing styles. Um, and, uh, and then once you form this sort of distribution, and it's not necessarily that you're actually doing calculations in real time when you're playing poker, but that over time you sort of have this mental model that you've built um, over these distributions that you're able to play, a, uh, you're able to play certain uh, hands in particular ways, bet certain amounts, to extract money and to maximize your expected value. Um, so, um, so in terms of data science in the real world, you're doing a very similar thing, like in terms of like perhaps clustering, you know, customers together based on particular, you know, um, habits that they portray. Yeah. So that's a customer would be akin to a, an opponent in poker, you know, how to maximize the value from that opponent and to uh, that, uh, that customer, you know, you build a distribution over what sort of actions they're going to do, um, and then you're able to uh, you're able to to maximize your profit by 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 looking at these distributions um, uh, over these customers that you've sort of clustered. Um, so I think it's it's a very uh, similar sort of um, mindset and um, techniques that you use both in poker and in in data science, and I feel that. Nothing really prepared me more for for real life uh, work than than actually playing poker. You know, winning and losing, knowing like which strategies were likely to win, which ones were likely to lose, and yeah. also understanding that even if you play your best strategy, you're still uh, there's still a probability of, of a loss, and yeah. that's 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 okay. And it's the same thing with you know in, in data science. Sometimes you can build a great model and and uh, with the information that you have, and um, for whatever reason, uh, the customers won't buy your product, or maybe it's just bad luck, and, and that just that just happens. And um, so, understanding not to be totally um, attached to the results. So we call this in poker like results-oriented thinking. Um, when when you place too much value on the results and not as much on the actual strategy. So your strategy can be correct, a hundred percent correct and the results um, may not be in your favor at that particular time. But, but assuming that your strategy is correct in the long run, you know, um, the probabilities will work itself out in such a manner that uh, you should be successful. 
So if you play like uh, like 500,000 hands of poker and uh, you're not winning, then that, that's that, <laughs> that's a that's a symptom of uh, then the results sort of matter. But yeah. you know, over a short hand of like maybe 100 or 200 hands, you know, if you're if you're if you're if you're losing, you you, uh, you don't necessarily have to um, you know correct your strategy. It might your strategy still might be very good. So yeah, in the business world. Um, um, you don't always get a, a nice distribution to see see how you're doing over the long run, but um, seeing one result or just a few results, um, negative results are nece- are not necessarily indicative that you're doing anything wrong, and that's you know something to be aware of. Is not to get yourself attached to um, um, bad results. So maybe you're building a a um, you know a recommendation system, and um, you, it turns out you can't. Maybe your first recommendations don't beat like a very generic like recommender, but uh, um, maybe over time they, they, they will. So um, just knowing that um, you can build a model and then look at long-term results um, and not get attached to the short term is, is a very valuable lesson that you learn when playing poker. All right, Ted, that's some really interesting points. And I want to backtrack a bit and sort of talk about the data scientist, the data scientist. I mean, recently it's been called one of the sexiest careers of, of the 21st century, and uh, I, 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 I can't disagree with that, right? I mean, we're working in a data-driven world, and somebody's going to have to make sense of all of this data that's being made every single day out there. You know, from your experience, and, and we already know that the, the decline of, of online poker had to do with an increase in data scientists, but, I mean, what, what else do you think led to this new breed of scientists you know, being created. Uh, what do you think the need was aside from just a bunch of data? Uh, you know, there's <clears throat> a lot of it actually is, is hype. And um, yeah, a lot of it is, is, is hype. Um, but um, there's also a lot of um, value that is being created. And it's this combination, I believe, of, uh, of hype and uh, sort of uh, fear of like uh, missing out on a, on a boat, um, uh, on a ship that may not you know come sailing again uh, quickly. That a lot of people are are jumping onto um, because it is getting all this hype. Um, there's also the, the connect the also one of the biggest things that data science is very strongly connected to artificial intelligence, yeah. and artificial intelligence has this you know this just very um, like epic, like uh, you know, um, just f- following from people, and yeah. it, it just really—it's a hot buzzword. It's a very yes, very very hot buzzword, and you know, there's there's movies about artificial intelligence, and I think so. So sort this this drive that we were able to um, automate, you know, decision making from data, and garner uh, immense you know understanding. Uh, from data that has never been possible before is is really uh, you know a huge driving force, um, and I think now that we're sort of realizing some of the ideas from you know 30, 40, 50 years ago um, is is a, a major contributor. So f- for instance, you know um, machine translation, um, uh, and I'm talking about like translating natural language from from one language to another was a very hot topic in the late 1950s, I believe. Um, uh, IBM was at the forefront of this. 
and they had built a translation machine uh, to translate, you know, English into um, Russian. And they believed at the time, and they translated some s small texts, some small paragraphs, that it was only a matter of, of a few years before they would uh, completely solve the problem. It was just a, a matter of tweaking a few things here and there. And we realized that still, this is 50 or 60 years later, that we're just having the tools to, to actually do what they set out to do. So only now we are able to translate text at a very high level. And so this is, uh, it took a very long time uh, to reach there. And now we're there. We have the tools. We have the computational powers. We have the, the algorithms to sort of get us there. And um, so there's a lot of uh, hope that we'll be able to uh, quickly um, to, to, quick, to, to keep this pace up right. um, and to, to continually use this data to, 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 to move forward. Um, <clears throat> so that's, I think, the, the hype is now, uh, so, so the data is now able to be used, and that's, that's one uh, major facet. It is sort of democratized through these, a lot of these tools that are available at the fingertips of many people. You know, you, you wouldn't be able to do machine translation very well you know, 30 or 40 years ago, if you were outside of a very probably particular university or, you know, um, or, or particular company. And now that uh, we've democratized this usage of, um, uh, of being able to, to, to harness data, um, <clears throat> anybody can jump into this and start doing machine learning at their fingertips with just a few lines of code. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> whether or not, um, we can answer a lot of business problems with this is another is is is, is actually a completely separate issue. But there are certain um, there are certain uh, amounts of artificial intelligence, such as like machine translation, um, that uh, that that can be uh, you know realized, and we can see the results immediately. So we have machine translation, and then we have uh, and and other, these are very clearly defined tasks. We have another set of business tasks that that uh, that many other organizations are are trying to solve, right? And uh, these are such things as uh, you know which 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 subset of our customers are going to um, uh, buy a product um, next, and this is a much more difficult problem because human beings are much are very complex, um, and. We're trying to throw a lot of our data science and our machine learning and our artificial intelligence at, at, at all these problems that we now have data for. And we don't necessarily uh, know if they're going to produce uh, uh, the results such as the, the known problems and known results such as uh, like a machine translation when we have like very exact um, answers for. And there's no variable of you know, based on my purchase history and, 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 you know, the way I operate online, I'm going to buy this backpack next, right? But what if I emotionally wake up depressed or sad that day and I don't want to buy it, you know, or I changed my mind or I want to buy a different... So, you know, kind of like what you brought up earlier uh, with the poker, you know, there's, there's all of this information that you can take in, but you also have to play the emotional side of things. And I think you bring up a great point because for me, you know, I get all these emails from Amazon, for example, and they're right. I should buy this next based on where I'm going and the fact that my email is probably also letting them know that I have a plane ticket off to Europe in a week or so. So they're saying, hey, buy this backpack, buy this gear. 
but what if I just don't feel like it? And there's no real anything that can help out with that. Right. So, you know, human beings are extraordinarily complex. Mm. And modeling human behavior, and that's what a lot of data scientists are trying to do within an organization, is, uh, or it's not even modeling human behavior, it's just modeling a complex system with the tools that we have right now. And um, we have all this data, and <clears throat> we're trying to uh, produce models that will provide us with value. And in your case, with the Amazon recommendations, they're doing the best that they can That's right. to, to give you, um, to give you the, the correct emails. But there's only so much value that data science machine learning can provide with a human being. And we may not, you know, ever get there, or at least not in the foreseeable future, like in my lifetime, to be able to model such a complex, you know, system as the, as the human brain, um, especially multiple and many millions of billions of human brains sort of interacting together at once. So... Um, so I, so I like to break down problems that have a very specific, you know, I like to segregate problems between the, the data science problems that have a very specific goal in mind versus those that are, that are more of a complex uh, yeah. system. Um, and so, so machine learning is, is able to realize these very specific goals uh, very well. And that's, I think that is sort of driving a lot of the hype that we see uh, today, whether it's yeah, machine translation, whether it's Google, uh, Google Assistant being able to answer your you know, your queries or uh, Amazon Echo being able to answer your in-house queries. These are very specific tasks that we know have a have a, a right answer. You know, we're we're trying to move on to you know uh, automation, automated driving, um, but lots of real business problems in the real world, uh, such as the problems that I'm sure Allside does all the time. It's going to be extremely difficult uh, for data science to give us a a very crystal clear answer that we know is correct yeah we might form an edge like in so in the poker term you say an edge when you have you know you give yourself a small mathematical advantage over your opponent in the long run that will play out favorably to yourself and and and, and but you'll never be able to you know perfectly uh, map um, customers or human beings or any complex system with the current tools that we have. Because if you think about it, I mean, our human brains are, are so are very complex and are interconnected. They have billions and trillions of connections. Mm -hmm. And our current tools are simply, you know, zeros and ones connected together uh, through um, algebra and um, basic calculus. And on top of that, it depends on the the, cleanli the cleanliness of the data you're inputting into it. So that's, and that's a whole different story, right? So. Yeah. Right. That's exact. That's actually what I focus on <laughs> yeah. in my in, in my work is is I I don't actually do a lot of complex machine learning. Um, I try to teach the fundamentals of the data science that will get you perhaps ninety percent of the way there. Yeah. To to forming a solution or to forming some sort of insight, and that's a uh, that's a major step forward for somebody who is just entering this field. Um, when they first uh, lay their hands on some data, is to be able to first just aggregate it and present it in a way that they're able to understand the most basic uh, 
the most basic properties of that data set without um, doing any sort of uh, machine learning. And that is just, uh, um, I find that there's not a lot of literature on uh, setting up a, a, a data set or a problem such that you can, uh, you know, get to these uh, fundamental, um, you know, these, these, fundamental, uh, these fundamental queries that you want answered um, in a straightforward manner. And, I, and I, that's where I focus um, my teachings on and my work on is, you know, formulating a routine to get from, um, f from getting a data set, ingesting a data set, to presenting just the fundamental facts about it without any, uh, without any machine learning or, or heavy-duty artificial intelligence. Now let's talk about your teaching. And, we, you know, we were talking about this career being this, you know, hype and, and a lot of people transitioning to this career. Now, are you finding that a lot of folks are coming at a younger age into the career or are some people transitioning out of other careers and, and changing careers at this point? Where, where are the backgrounds all coming from? From the, Let's talk about the meetups, for example, in Houston. So, yes, yeah, so my meetup was started two years ago uh, in the summer of 2016. This was well after, you know, the data science uh, train had, had, uh, had begun. And uh, actually, what I noticed and, uh, and what was common, I think, when I went to other meetups was that there was actually very few actual data scientists that ever showed up at my meetups. And I would even ask, like, you know, I'd ask at the beginning of meetups, like, to have people raise their hands if they were a data scientist. And uh, there was, uh, most of the meetups, nobody would raise their hands. So... Um, I don't know if the, the people that were practicing data scientists are just so few in number and maybe so exhausted from doing data science at work that they, they weren't actually uh, interested in coming to meetups in their spare time right. about data science. <clears throat> so my meetups are particular for the people who are, uh, you know, if you come to a meetup, number one, you're, you're, you're putting in a lot of effort to just show up to something that you're not getting paid for on your spare time and your free time. So these are the people who have a lot of energy and a lot of uh, motivation and curiosity for, for data science. Um, and and are, they, they're typically, they don't have a background in math or statistics. Okay. They're, they're definitely from the outside looking in. Um, there may be uh, managers uh, and so forth that are, that are looking to learn more um, a lot of them do have STEM backgrounds, perhaps they're in engineering, um, but I noticed that there, was a, uh, there, there weren't a whole lot of people that were actually data scientists themselves. Now, the, this could be changing as universities are offering data science degrees. Um, there's obviously lots of online courses you can take uh, or online degrees, you, certificates that you can, um, that you can, that you can get to um, become a data scientist. So um, there should be a, a larger pipeline from the universities um, to data science jobs yeah. uh, now. So there are four-year degrees, there are master's degrees, there are um, even some PhD programs, and certainly lots of certificate program, programs where you can get a, a, um, a more formal education in data science. Um, so there's, there's, uh, there's that out there. And, and where does Dunder Data then come in now? Is it more of a workshop? Is it like a course? And how did it come about? So it came about because I sat through some corporate training 
at uh, my first data science job, uh, which is at Schlumberger, it's a large oil services company. So we had uh, lots of corporate training. So we had about four weeks of corporate training. Uh, we had one week pr just straight uh, Python training. I, I didn't find the training particularly good. Now, I was a math teacher before this, so I had taken you know, courses in pedagogy, and I did not find the training to be adequate uh, for uh, both in its uh, ability to, to teach the actual data science and in the other to actually engage the student in um, data science and to make it a worthwhile experience for them. So, <clears throat> uh, I noticed uh, through um, uh, that there was a, a lack of good teaching for just the basic fundamentals of Python and uh, data science, and I wanted to uh, build a product that was able to teach these fundamentals with modern pedagogical, you know, th theories. Um, basically, just to help engage the student as much as possible uh, throughout the throughout the program. Um, so I focus uh, particularly on uh, those who are just entering the field of, of data science, who are just um, just getting a taste of, of programming and um, data science. And my classes ensure that, number one, uh, uh, my main product is a, a, a data science boot camp that is a week-long, uh, 40 hours. And before the boot camp begins, I make sure that the students have a full understanding of just the basics of Python. And this is sort of another problem with, with a lot of, that I've seen in the data science world is that they, uh, is that is that individuals might not have a, a good uh, background in the fundamentals of just programming. So, so, I, tr so I ensure this by, by, by um, having a long uh, pre-course assignment where they learn the fundamentals of, of Python and then on day one we can hit the ground running on basic exploratory uh, data analysis uh, using pandas. Um, so I like to separate uh, my teaching likes to separate the uh, the separate the tools uh, from the concepts, and this is a very important fact. So the tools in data science are things that are always going to be changing, and that uh, are not necessary uh, to, to 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 to. It's not always necessary to learn the finer details of the tools. So the the tools just help you uh, implement the concepts. The concepts, more or less, are permanent and um, are the fundamentals. So, so to give you an example, a very basic concept is how do you, uh, you know, selecting a, a subset of data, right? So, um, this is a you know this is a very fundamental concept where you just want to select perhaps all the males age 65 and older in a group, right? So we need to know how to segment data like that. That's a super uh, fundamental concept. Another con fundamental concept is, you know, grouping data together. Um, sometimes this is referred to a split, apply, combine strategy. Um, these are things you do constantly over and over and over again, right? So, you, so the split, apply, combine means you're splitting groups into uh, independent uh, segments, and within those segments, you're going to, uh, you know, apply some sort of function um, to those segments and get some sort of uh, statistics back just for those particular segments. And, and you know, this is done through the group by statement in SQL, there's also a group by in, in, in pandas. And this is very basic, right? But it's just so fundamental that, uh, that students know how to think um, 
how to segregate groups and how to look at independently uh, these different groups and, and how they how they differ just by looking at the raw statistical data. Do you, do you ever find that a lot of data scientists working in big organizations aren't even doing data science because they're too busy mining and cleaning and, and doing things that should have been pre-done in order for them to get their job done? I think there was a stat out there that says something like 80% of data scientists are spending a lot of their time of their day not even doing data science. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was somewhere out there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and the other 20% of the time they're complaining about cleaning the data. So, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's not my joke, but um, I would say that is definitely data science. So that's part of the job. And that's that's actually, I think, it should be, not should be, but I find it a sort of a, an enjoyable part of the job is to do the investigation yourself. Um, so... <clears throat> Depending on your, you know, your organization, you might have a team, a dedicated team, and hopefully a team of, you know, good data engineers that is able to, you know, build a pipeline that can produce the data that you want in a very clean and normalized fashion that you can get to work to, to analyze it. But that's, um, that's not always the case. Yeah. So. Because it sounds to me like those are the fundamentals you're talking about that a lot of the folks out there just don't even want to do at this point. Correct. So it depends on the, the type of organization you're in. So if you are in a more, in a, in a very formal and hierarchical organization that has the resources to uh, employ like data engineers, people who have data modeling experience, um, people who can uh, ingest data and clean it, put it in a data warehouse for you, um, that's great. But a lot of times you're going to want to do data analysis on your own. You're going to have to collect data on your own. Right or you're going to pick up some data online, or even after there's data already built in a data warehouse, there still might be uh, plenty of anomalies. So I, I don't teach the data engineering. I teach um, you know, the beginning of an, an analysis once the data is in your hand, and how to build a routine that will allow you to feel comfortable and sort of free yourself of anxieties about exploring the data. Right to get you to a point where you can um, do more um, advanced analysis through statistical learning, um, machine learning. Now, from the conversations I'm hearing, I've been to you know chief data officer exchanges, I've said in the little group chats that they have, and a lot of these folks wanna be able to do exactly what you're saying themselves, or, or allow or enable the business user to do that. You know, I don't wanna be sending in a request and wait seven days for it to come back because it's the steward of the science is busy they've got other stuff to do right like the old expression says i ain't got time for that right <laughs> but you know well everyone's trying to empower marketing or sales or whoever to just walk in and say i yeah, need to do that how do you think all of this new direction is going to change or evolve this role of the data scientist i mean every job evolves right sure i mean as as the tools get better at processing the data um you know, there might be different roles for, for data scientists, and there already are, so um, based on uh, what organization you're, you're a part of. Mm. Um, I think, um, you know, having a, you know, having a team that um, really does focus on ensuring data quality is, is, is very, very fundamental. Sure. You know, I was recently involved in a, a, a project, a consulting project, where um, it, 
the 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 company that was you know hiring my skills was not they weren't even uh, they they themselves were not even uh, attempting to they didn't even show much care for for the cleanliness of the data they sort of they they wanted a solution uh, quickly um, and it didn't matter that to them whether there was a you know a a standard set of data uh, that we could um, benchmark ourselves on to to look to 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 compare ourselves um, in the future so so um, the the organization themselves has to buy into how important a um, you know a, a clean set of data is absolutely and if they're not going to buy into this and it and it can take a very long time to correct these issues and that's sort of the problem it can and it takes several months to kind of go back and forth between the data scientists finding these anomalies and then having to propagate those backwards to the you know the back end engineers who are building these pipelines to help um, you know, clean up the data as it comes through um, and to spot these anomalies. Um, so there's, uh, there's just a, uh, the, the, there just has to be, in my opinion, a, uh, a strong commitment from, uh, from the co- company themselves to ensure data quality. And I still don't, I still don't uh, know if that sort of mentality is, is present well, enough. It's, it's definitely something that a lot of folks are struggling with trying to get the C-level on board you know, um, getting them to understand the value, right? And, and this goes kind of back to earlier what you were saying, how, you know, about losing all those hands, you know, it may not necessarily be the strategy at that point yet. You, 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 you got to let it kind of like unwind and, and see how it works in the long run. But. Right. I mean, it's just, to me, the, the core of, of, of doing good data science is having, you know, good data. You know, it's, it's the age old saying garbage in and garbage out. Exactly. And there's a <laughs> tremendous amount of garbage in going into models uh, currently. And um, not enough um, evaluation of how do we get to a data set that we're comfortable with, that we know inside and out, that we trust in order to take the next step and to do um, proper machine learning. And, you know, like as our systems are becoming more and more complex and we're getting more data, it actually becomes even more difficult to, to, to get to this stage of a data set that we are sort of uh, happy with proceeding with, with machine learning. Right. And, yet, you know, we don't necessarily always have the, like executives may not always have the time to wait until we are satisfied with our, with our inputs mm-hmm. to get to that output. And, and uh, it really takes um, a lot of assertiveness, I think, on the part of, the, of, of a data scientist to stand up and to... Um, Put their foot down, so to speak, and to demand a high-quality um, data, uh, you know, set before continuing on with the project. And um, that's that's not always easy to do to sort of demand that things are a certain way. But I think it's a good skill to have if you are a data scientist to be able to um, really uh, enforce certain uh, standards and practices during your uh, while while working, or else you know your results are just going to get confounded, or um, just they're just going to be incorrect. You know, so th- that's why I like I still stay just on the data exploration stage. I don't go too much uh, 
further into machine learning. I do right. teach machine learning at the end of my courses, and I've done some you know machine learning tutorials, but I, I still like to to stay on the the fundamentals. And one of the things that I produced <clears throat> not too long ago was this idea of a data analysis routine. So I, you know, and this is similar to a routine that we all have in our daily lives, whether we're you know getting up out of bed to go to work or you know a routine to work out. You know, this is a routine that we can follow that has, it's a checklist that you can check off certain steps of to ensure data quality as you're going along. Um, and it's sort of, it's, and it, a, big, a big bonus to this is that it relieves a lot of anxiety. So whenever you get a data set, you have, you start off the same way every time and you go through these checks. It's just like, yeah, like an airline pilot, like checking to ensuring that the airplane is going to be safe. And, yeah. and airplanes are extraordinarily safe these days because the airlines airlines have a very particular um, standardized set of procedures that they all go through um, to ensure our safety. And they have to follow it or else the plane is not taking off. Um, and data scientists don't have this right now. And this is sort of a thing that I, I believe will, um, is what, why I believe um, I want to teach that in data science and I want to build even better routines for data scientists to immediately when they get a data set they can follow a, a set of routines and it's not that you have to follow my routine my my suggestion is to follow just create a routine for yourself get in that mindset yeah right and and perhaps uh, you know for your organization and this is not meant to stifle creativity the routine is just the beginning yeah <clears throat> so um, once you've completed all your checks, then you can sort of take off, right? And you can go to any city you want um, in the, in, while you're exploring data. And I, I think it would do a lot of good for data scientists to, to do this, build their own routine. Um, and uh, once, once they have that, they can feel comfortable with their final data product that they're presenting. Um, instead of sort of just ad hoc going through data and maybe getting a very, uh, you know, messy output that is uh, not consistent maybe with previous work. I love that. Now, what what does the future hold for Dunder Data? Well, how do you foresee your workshops evolving or, or what's next? Sure. So I, uh, right now, I'm, like I said, is focusing on, on the fundamentals. My main product is a, a week-long uh, boot camp. I am planning on taking this boot camp to different cities. I plan on doing online classes uh, starting in the fall. So I will be likely teaching uh, basics of Python, no data science, which is uh, very, uh, very key, project-based data science or project-based Python learning. And I plan to uh, offer um, uh, machine learning, uh, applied machine learning classes. So this is those that would like to um, uh, apply the machine learning uh, without the theoretical uh, knowledge and this is not to diminish uh, the importance of the theory but to uh, just get them up to speed on how to properly use um, uh, uh, the machine learning libraries in, in Python so those are my those are my next steps now Ted where can our listeners go to learn more about you or Dunder Data and even maybe check out your book sure thing so they can go to uh, my my website, uh, which is being rebuilt at the moment, but it's dunderdata.com, and 
For those who are not in the know, Dunder data uh, is is usually linked to uh, Dunder Mifflin, the, <laughs> the uh, fake uh, paper, paper company. company yep. um, it's sort of, un I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate, but so Dunder uh, uh, in the Python terminology stands for, is, is a is slang for double underscore. And <clears throat> uh, there's double underscore methods in the Python data model, which are considered special methods um, or magical methods. And these are used to, um, uh, to have your uh, Python classes operate in a consistent manner with certain operators and uh, other methods. So these, so Dunder stands for magic or special methods. And so Dunder data is basically like saying special or magical data. And that's sort of, uh, that's exactly where the name came from. Um, I also have a blog on Medium called, uh, uh, just if you look at Dunder data on Medium, Medium, I have a very popular series on selecting subsets of data in Pandas because um, it's unfortunate that Pandas, the, uh, I, the official documentation does not give you um, enough practical tips to, to know how to idiomatically select subsets of data. And this is perhaps the most common thing to do in Pandas. And it's actually taken me a, a hundred pages to, to show you just how to select subsets of data properly. So I cover um, basically all the different types of subsets of data that you can do there. Um, and uh, so those are the those are my two main uh, resources at the moment. So you've heard it, folks. Not Dunder Mifflin, Dunder Data. www.dunderdata.com. And on that note, we were talking about you know clean ingestion and clean data. Um, and for those that want to learn how to turn a messy raw data lake into an intelligent customer 360 here at Allsite, we do have an ebook on that topic, and you can download it for free at allsite.com/ebooks. Ted, thank you very much for coming. We covered a bunch of topics today. Yeah. Thanks, Carlos. Appreciate you having me. I appreciate you coming down. All right, folks, so on that note, I am your host, Carlos Guevara, and I thank you again for joining me on another adventure in search of good data. Have a great week, everyone.